Hello and welcome back to Naturally Adventurous. This is Charlie Hesse speaking to you from sunny California. Today I'm going to be chatting about some of my highlights from the past couple of weeks um, and joining me to chat about America uh, by popular request. Yeah, his request, <laughs> he wanted to come back on. That's about right. He's uh, it's friend of the podcast and, uh, yeah, many-time guest on here, uh, Julian Hoff. Uh, how are you doing, Julian? I'm doing great, Charlie. Hi, folks. There you go. That's my Ken Barron's impersonation. That's all you get. Yep. <laughs> anyway, I thought uh, I thought there was no one better to chat about uh a Brit birding in the states than uh, than, than you because uh, you've been there a while. Yeah. Um, just remind me how long you've been in the states now. Legally. <laughs> Legally. Um, yeah, I've uh, I've been here nearly as long as I've lived in England now. So I've been here nearly really? 25, 26 years. So twenty five years. Card carrying member of America now. So yeah, I love yeah. it. Can't imagine uh, living back in England, but uh, no, it's no. it's. it's <laughs> Time flies by when you're uh, having fun. You've been to the States quite a bit, though, right, on your tours. But this is, yeah. this is kind of an extended trip for, for personal tickability. Yeah. So most of my time in the States, well, I, I came here for about three months when I was uh, in, at university in the UK. I came, I did a road trip with a friend, but that, we didn't really do any birding, but we traveled quite a lot around. Um, and then since then, I've been back quite a few times on these kind of birding festivals, like in Ohio, the biggest week, and um, and then down on uh, High Island in Texas. So I, I birded that quite a bit. But this is a it's a sort of first a personal dedicated birding trip that I've done to the states. So it's been a little bit different. Right, and this is basically your first major trip to kind of the west coast of California. Is that is that correct? Yeah, so I mean, I've done a lot in the in the eastern side of the states, and I've done a long trip down to um, down to Mexico, and I've done some birding in in Canada as well. So, I've sort of got the east and the north and the south covered, and and, and the west was this big gaping hole in my list. Um, and for those that are not familiar with American birds, they they're quite different. The birds in the east and the west. There's quite a lot of birds that are only in the west, you know, um, endemics. So um, I've I've been looking at these birds for quite a while, dreaming yeah. of doing a trip out here. Yeah, yeah. No, it looks from what I gather as as a world lister with a big bag full of world ticks. I was quite <laughs> surprised when you texted me to tell tell me how many like lifers you'd had. It, it was it was quite staggering for a person that that's kind of achieved the list that you have. But other than that, what what have What's been your main kind of impressions of, of California? I know you talked about the East and the West. So, you know, before we get into your trip, do you have any kind of interesting kind of insights into how the West is different? Uh, it, it's really nice. I mean, I, I've never, I, the States has never been on, on my list of places that I wanted to move to, but I, I've actually seen that it's actually quite a nice place. <laughs> it's actually quite a nice place to live. And, yeah. and the thing that's really struck us here is just how many um, outdoor spaces, natural spaces there are for people to visit. Um, it's, it's really quite staggering the number of reserves, you know, national parks, national wildlife refuges, uh, state parks, county parks, and anywhere you go, you've got you've just got this absolute bounty of just amazing natural places to visit, and and I, it it really has hit us, and and the other thing that has hit us is how, I was going to say how few bird watches we've seen, but actually we haven't really seen any bird watches at all in two weeks. We've seen a few people with cameras just casually snapping some pictures. I say, I think we saw one lady with a pair of binoculars. And we have visited some of these most beautiful, staggeringly beautiful wild places. And it just blows us away. And my friend that I'm traveling with at the moment, he just keeps saying, you know, if this was Britain, there'd be like a thousand bird watchers here. Because um, <laughs> th there's just so much quality habitat and just birds everywhere. And it's been an absolute delight to visit. It's been, it's been mind blowing. Um, yeah. Not just for birds, for mammals, and just for you know natural spectacles. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been really, really wonderful. No, that was kind of my my impression. You know, if you, if you 
forget about the landslides, the power outages, mudslides, <laughs> wildfires. You know, California is absolutely stunning and the burning is, is fantastic. And I know we're going to get into that. So why don't you kind of um, recap kind of your trip? And I know I think you started off in, in the south going to Santa Cruz Island. I think obviously that's where people go for the island scrub jay. But you had kind of a nice trip there, which above and beyond the jay was, was left an impression on you. So, uh, yeah, you know, let's let's hear about that. There was, yeah, there was a, yes, I mean, you get scrub jays in the States. They're sort of like kind of, they're pretty, there's like a blue jay, but it's kind of got kind of blue head and it's kind of gray and hops around. And and I guess they split them up before there was a few different scrub jays. And now there's like, uh, you know, there's California scrub jay and a, and a Woodhouse's scrub jay and, a, and an island scrub jay. An island scrub jay is only found on these islands um, off the coast of Los Angeles, um, and it's actually a national park, the um, the Channel Islands National Park. And yeah, we we I had quite a few friends, birding friends, that recommended going out there. They said it's really easy to go out, and you can see some really cool stuff. So we uh, I looked into it, and you know you can just very easily and very affordably just book your tickets online for a um, for a day trip um, out of uh, a place called Ventura near Los Angeles. Right. So we booked our tickets online and then uh, yeah, I think we left like 9 a.m. Um, and we were back about 4 p.m. something like that. It took about an hour and a half to get out there. And yeah, the main reason for going was this uh, was this island scrub jay. Um, but a, a couple of weeks before I went, a friend of mine, uh, Keith, my, my boss, he's very into mammals as well and he said, "You know there's an endemic fox there." And I was like, "Oh, sounds cool." He said, you, "You should really go, you should really go, you know, and camp there, you know, so you can see this fox at night." And I was like, "Well, you know, we've already bought our tickets, whatever." And he said, "Oh, well, you might see it during the day." So yeah, we were looking out for this endemic fox as well. So yeah, we we sort of turned up early at the port, and we you know lined up you know to get our tickets, and you know lined up to get on board. Um, and the really nice thing, because it was basically like a little a little crossing, you know, it's like a little little miniature ferry crossing you know and you pay you pay one way and you pay your sort of return fee you know you're not paying for like a a dedicated wildlife viewing cruise or something like that but but it turned out the captain of the boat was a big birder and and also naturalist and he would and he would stop if he saw stuff if he saw dolphins or whales or whatever he would stop and he would sort of tell people around so it was it was really cool um it stopped at a couple of different spots, and we went to the further one called Prisoners Bay, I think it is, um, and that gave us some extra time on the on the boat because we were sort of looking for seabirds the whole time as well. Right, um, yeah. quite a few in- interesting seabirds. We we got some on the way out. These little murrelets, scripts murrelets. They're Ooh, like a little need that al- one. Almost like a little. You need that one. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know it's funny. I didn't. I haven't been to california a couple of times only southern california once, right so we never really went out yeah. for the for the j so that's a couple of i don't think it was grippers. split back then yeah no, it, it, it was only split recently yeah. so there's probably no yeah there's probably no need to go out but yeah anyway we got these little these little seabirds called murlets scripts murlets and they, they're sort of the shape of a little miniature penguin um but they can fly you know and they sort of bob up and down on the water and you get closer and then they sort of take off it's like little pygmy flying penguins um they're they're awesome so they were pretty cool um anyway we we sort of we got to this first closer harbor and just to say there was it was a full ship there was probably there might have been like a hundred people on board wow and um and most of the people got off at the first stop which was called scorpion anchorage i think um and the majority of them were sort of they all seemed to be like college students um and I don't know if they're bunking off lectures or what, or, or whether it was holidays, but there was, and they were all going hiking. I guess it's quite a big place to go hiking. So they dropped all those people off, and then we went on a bit. And then between that sort of first stop and the second stop, the captain spots a, a humpback whale. And, uh, and he sort of pulls up fairly, you know, so we could see it quite well. And it was, you know, I think there was actually a few of them and they were sort of coming out of the water a little bit. And just in front of them, there was a massive, like a carpet of California sea lions. The whale would sort of disappear 
it would sort of upend, you know, and, and it, its tail would come up, which means a sort of diving down. So it went down. And as soon as it did that, all the sea lions, they all disappeared. They all went under as well. And he mentioned that around there, you get these bait balls of, right. uh, of fish, you know, tightly shoaling fish. And the humpback whales go down and they, um, yeah, they, they try and, you know, scoop up like a whole mass of fish. And these sea lions dive down with them. And they sort of pick off all the little fish that are kind of like trying to escape out of the side. So it's like they're sort of feeding in tandem. But seriously, there may have been maybe like a thousand or, you know, high hundreds of, of California sea lions, which was, it was just mind-blowing, you know. And he, and he described this behavior, and we saw it a few times, these whales diving down, catching the fish, and all these sea lions go in. And it was, it was just incredible. I mean, it was just an amazing natural spectacle yeah the the, um, the the fantastic i just want to add i think one of the first times i saw humpback whale out in massachusetts off gloucester they were doing a similar thing where they were it was called bubble feeding where they would go down and yeah, they would let uh, pockets of air up to the surface that would trap these fish bring them to the surface and they would just come up and you know great shearwaters would disappear inside there too and it was pretty, pretty amazing <laughs> to see them do this so that's yeah. that's fantastic, yeah. So um, that was pretty cool, um, and then from then we we went onto the island, and we had about I think we had about three hours on the island, and they gave us a little uh, introduction, and they said you know you can walk over here and you can't walk here, whatever. So, and we went on, and I think it took us about five minutes to find the island scrub jay, it, and it was it it was sort of offensively easy. <laughs> just to, to to see this thing, tick it was it, tick it was and move a bit on. A, yeah, but it was cool. It was you know it was because we'd seen the day before California script jay for the first time, and then this was quite a distinctive thing, like a deeper blue and kind of different behavior. But it was like you know what are we going to do now for the other you know two hours and fifty five minutes you know <laughs> on the <laughs> on the island. So anyway, we kind of walked around a bit, did a bit of birding, and we walked up this hill, and then when we came back down. We, we spotted this fox. Um, and, oh, wow. and to be honest, the, the the woman who gave us the introduction, she said, actually, these foxes are pretty tame. They just wander around. And I think even sometimes they walk up to people. She says, don't feed them. But, you know, people have fed them. So they're kind of like walk, walking up to you. But we, we sort of saw this fox. And it was like seriously like no other fox that I've ever seen. It's like half the size of a, like a red fox. Um, it, it was like, um, like it, the size of a house cat. Like, like a house cat. Wow, so like even smaller than like a fennec fox. Well, maybe around the same size, but a lot fluffier. It's got really thick, fluffy fur. It's got like a grey back and this kind of orangey-coloured belly and, and then this black stripe down the tail. I mean, it was just a weird-looking thing. Wow. I mean, it didn't, it didn't even look like a fox, seriously. It looked more like a cat when you saw it. I mean, but- it, 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 if anyone knows like pocket monsters, like Pokemon, they, it looked like a little pocket monster. It was, it was just kind of weird, weird... <laughs> Like a, totally little, unique. like a little gremlin with four legs. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we'd, we'd come to see this jay, but, you know, the jay was like, oh, yeah, that's nice, whatever. But, you know, so far the mammals were, were sort of stealing the show. Yeah, it sounds, and, like, uh, we sounds got re- like the whales were much more impressive than the, the scrub jay. Than the uh, scrub jay. <laughs> anyway, we saw this fox really well, and, and it, it was just it was fantastic. It was really fascinating. And we just kind of stood still, and this thing just kept walking closer and closer and closer. And in the end, it just walked right past us. I mean, you're talking about six feet away from us, and it just just completely unconcerned. So that was that was pretty cool. That was pretty awesome. You can give uh, you can yeah. give, you can give Keith some updated gen that you don't need to take a sleeping bag in a tent. <laughs> yeah, but Keith, Keith's. Um, he he doesn't he's not too bothered if you if you grip him off with a bird you know he's like all right or whatever you know yeah. um but he he's very into his mammals now so he, you know if you really want to irk him a little bit you can sort of uh, poke a poke a mammal siding at him <laughs> so other, so, other, so other than the um scrub jay and and the whales other than that it, it, it's it's kind of it was not pretty very, quiet it yeah. was pretty quiet yeah it was hot as well you know we you know it was like 11 or 12 you know it was late late morning middle of the day and it was it was clear day i ended up getting quite 
badly sunburnt. But, you know, for the last hour, we just came back to the campsite and sort of sat in the shade for a bit, just keeping cool. As a Yorkshireman but, um, in California, I'd, I'd expect nothing less of you, Charlie. Oh, I tell you, you know, I, I wish I'd have got a, like a, a white handkerchief and sort of tied it on my uh, tied it on my head. Yeah, not knotted um, handkerchief. Yeah, <laughs> knotted that's, hand- that's a perfect, perfect impression. Sun protection. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, so we, we set off back and we thought, you know, this has been an amazing day. You know, we've really enjoyed it. We weren't expecting anything else. But about half the way, I think we picked up all these college students um, on the way back. And then we started making our way back across. And then we see this kind of like the, this water in the distance that, you know, in the direction we're heading, all kind of churning up. It was like, it looked like, you know, killer piranhas were in the water. And we got closer and closer and we see that it's a massive pod of dolphins. And when I say massive, I'm, you're talking about a thousand dolphins. Just And, Jeez, and the, and the captains. And the cap, yeah, it was like a megapod. I've seen this on, on like um, Blue Planet, you know, with their... Uh, David Attenborough talking about these megapods of dolphins, but we got closer and closer and closer, and it was just, they were just coming right for us. You know, it was just incredible. And I think the, the, the boatman kind of like veered the boat, and we were like going alongside them. And these, and these dolphins were like surfing, you know, they, you could see them through the, through the wave, and they're all kind of jumping out, um, just porpoising and, you know, we just got amazing photos and amazing views. And it was just really one of the, probably one of the coolest natural spectacles I've ever seen was this megapod of uh, long-nosed common dolphins. It was just amazing. That's a big number. I mean, I've seen them, I've seen dolphins off on Pelagics, but never that that many. I can't imagine. That must have been a pretty pretty intense sight. It was just amazing, yeah. And you know, we've gone for this little bird, and and that was that was a long, that was a distant memory now. You know, these these like incredible, the incredible whale sightings, um, and then these dolphins, just re- and, and this very cool fox. They really stole the stole the show, yeah. So that was like, I think that was probably like our, our day two on the trip. So that was a really yeah, a really good start. Right. So you basically started in the south, and we're, we're probably working away in a big anti-clockwise circuit, right? Yeah, it was basically, you know, we'd, we'd managed to plan a pelagic tour in San Francisco or Half Moon Bay, and it was about 10 days after that. So rather than going straight up there, we sort of we sort of decided to head out east and then and then north and then sort of see it. So it was like a, a counterclockwise, as you would say in the States. Right, yeah, because obviously, you know, you can't move the, the dates of the pelagic, so you have to usually work around those. So, so basically, once you were back on land... I, I assume now, you know, you're heading to kind of some drier territory. And I think you mentioned a bird that is really difficult <laughs> to kind of get for a lot of people, which was was mountain quail. And I'm, I've only seen them once, and I know they can be really tough. But uh, you, you, you have a story about those. Did you manage to see mountain quail? Yeah, it was, it was quite easy. Just to describe this bird, you know, you think of a quail, but... This is like a really mind-blowing quail. It's like sort of gray and, and chestnut color with all these like white barring and stuff. But the coolest thing, it's got this feather that sticks straight up out of its forehead. Like an absurdly, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the bird itself, what is it? It's like sort of eight inches long or nine inches long. And, and it's got this massive, you know, little feather sticking out of its forehead. It looks like a Teletubby or something like that. It's like... <laughs> it. it it's just, it's just absolutely insane. It does, it looks like a made-up bird. Yeah, it's so, like one of those angler fishes. Yeah, so um, yeah, it is, it is. It's like the sort of bird version of an angler fish. Um, so you know, this was one of the main. We went up to this um, this forest above. You know, when you're in LA, you look up towards these mountains, and up on top of those mountains, they've got this big forest called the the Angeles National Forest, and we'd planned like a day's birding up there. And I did, you know, I did really done my homework and, you know, all these. And we've actually got a, I've got a friend in L.A. who couldn't come out with us that day because he, he was recovering from COVID. But he, he gave me lots of gen as well. And he said, you know, you know, stop here for this and here for this and here for this. So he gave, he gave me really good gen. But the first stop that he suggested, we got out and we start birding around. I got I got a, um, this white-headed woodpecker, which was like a, a big target of mine like almost straight away it's like right. this jet black 
woodpecker with this like snow white head and bits of red on it and white flashes in the wings and it, it's just like a really outlandish but i i still think california's got the world's best woodpeckers we've seen a bunch and they they're mind-blowing you know lewis's and red-breasted sapsuckers and you know there's a few both like color and then also like really striking but yeah this was a major target of my trip was to see this um this woodpecker but we're just kind of looking at the woodpecker and then i hear this like call like in the distance and it's like i, I can't even what it sounds like it's like go go and i was like i know that you know because i'd done a bit of study and i thought oh no way that's the uh that's a mountain quail so we sort of go back to the road and i'm hearing it and then it's just kind of along the road and we're kind of walking closer and closer and i'm hearing this bird and i can't see it and we get closer and closer and closer and then you know we're just on the side of the road scanning these bushes and then i see it perched up on top of a uh, of a bush and we just again we sort of take a couple of picks because we're still a bit far and then walk like 10 paces and take another couple of picks and then walk closer and then pick and it just sat there calling in this bush and in the end we were just like you know 30 feet from it um looking up at it and it was just it's just kind of looking down at us with this ridiculous kind of you know anglerfish you know horn on its head um so that was that was really cool and that's um that's one of the birds that I mentioned to people that we saw and they were like, oh, oh that's, a, like, that's like a really difficult bird. Yeah. So that was really one of the highlights of the day. Yeah. I, I, I mean, my, my little story about mountain quail, you know, I've been to California a couple of times and I think back in the early 90s, I, I took a trip out there with my friend Paul and it was on that same trip as the, you know, the Arizona trip that I'd mentioned going for the <laughs> troll guns on. But, um, yep. you know, we struggled. We didn't really have many sites for mountain quail. And then yeah. we, we bumped into somebody and they said, um, there's a place, and it may have been in that same mountain range that you were in. And it was, I think it was a place called yeah. Ch Chilau Visitor Center. Yeah. And, 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 and the yeah, guy that's, said- That's Angeles National Forest, yeah. Yeah, so the guy who we got the gem from, and I can't remember, and he said, yeah, if you, if you, you go to this nature center, at nine o'clock, the ranger feeds them, and the and and, no, they, and, really. and I was like, oh come on, really? I was like, well, we might as well give it a try. So we 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 got there at like you know quarter of nine, and we're we stood at the back of this visitor center, looking out across this feeding station, and there's like absolutely nothing, and I was just <laughs> like, oh, this is a bump steer, man. This is Duff Jen, and yeah. and I kid you not. At nine o'clock on the dot, like six really? mountain quails come running down this slope. <laughs> I was just like, oh, wow, that was easy. Tick. Brilliant. And I've never seen, I've never seen them anywhere else. And, and they've, it's often a bird that I think of as being one of the really tough birds, the ones that you can miss, unless you've got really good kind of up to the minute gen. But, you know, finding them out in the field can be really hit and miss yeah yeah it was very cool um what we what we saw a lot of um in the national forest was uh evidence of the fires right um and it was really quite shocking you know you drive up for you'd be driving for you know 15 20 minutes along this road and everything was burnt you know all the trees were burnt um, and as he got higher up, you got to a few more bits with with more forest. But you know, it it just it really it was really quite shocking. Um, I mean, I I had heard I was chatting with my friend today about this. You know, that I had heard about these and I, the 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 bushfires in in California, and it was quite it was terrible to see it on TV. And you, everybody was saying how terrible it was, and it, you know, but but actually going there and seeing it, seeing the damage. It really, you know, it, it affects you a lot more, more I think, and it really was quite shocking to see um, that fire damage. Yeah, when, when you're actually there and you see that kind of deforestation, mm. and it, it 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 is kind of um, sad, really. You know, especially since you know a lot of people lost their homes as well as you know yeah. the natural destruction. Mm -hmm. But um, other than other than that, I, I I think most of those forest birds are pretty common in that area other than mountain quail i think you can find you know the woodpecker that you mentioned whitehead yeah, and yeah. everything else is 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 common across those mountain ranges so 
I assume that we, we the struggled death... with uh, we struggled with uh, with one more bird there, the, the, the pygmy owl, northern pygmy owl, which is not necessarily uncommon, but it's it's like uh, it's kind of hard to see. <laughs> so, like right at the top, the, like the very highest point, where there was still some snow. You know, end of, end of March, um, and I think normally in normal year, I think there's a lot less snow around ne- these days, um, right. in recent years. But because um, there were all these signs saying, you know, ch- you must use chains, you know, on your tires, and you know, don't go beyond this point without chains. And it was just like sunny weather, and you know, um, quite warm. So um, yeah, but there was a little bit of snow up on the on the highest hills. But yeah, we 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 got to a little campground. And um, heard this pygmy owl calling, and then we just can't start walking towards it. But when we like up quite a steep hill, and 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 up there, you know, it's quite high as well. And we would sort of get up this hill, and then when you got close to it, it would, it would go quiet, and then you'd hear another one, like even higher. So we were like climbing higher and higher and higher, following <laughs> these. It was like sort of following a rainbow or something like that, you know. Right. It, it, never getting to the end and and in the end yeah my friend was like i'll just wait here i was like okay and i kind of scrambled up and found this thing finally and called him up and we we got a nice little view oh you got it that's 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 yeah Yeah, i'd heard him on my first trip but it wasn't until like my third trip where we kind of saw pygmy really well it was a at a site to the north i think we had we had five owls that night it was a great night but yeah we had pygmy owls in the scope so that's that's great. That's a tough bird to get. Um, yeah. But, so yeah. So cool. sort of move on. I know that you yep. then went out into the the desert and you've got kind of a. I think you'd mentioned you had a funny roadrunner <laughs> story once you'd moved out into the Mojave. So what, what's what's the yeah. deal with that? So. Yeah, we were we you know I I've been planning this this trip for quite a while and you know I I saw that there was quite a lot of birds out in the desert that you didn't get anywhere else in in california it's in the sort of you know south east corner of the state and we went out to the mojave and it was actually and i think with it being i mean obviously with it being a desert it's dry but i think that there's been many years with like less than usual rainfall so i i think that might have affected the bird numbers but it was really quiet you know we, we got to some places and we almost no birds there but we we did all right, you know. In, in the end, we just kept looking around and we found some nice desert stuff, you know. Um, but from there, so w- a bird that I had already seen, um, but but my friend uh, Graham that I'm traveling with, he it was really high on his his list of, of birds to see was a greater roadrunner. Um, and I saw that they were a little bit more common, kind of going further than the Mojave Desert and then down into kind of Arizona and Nevada, just like the border. Almost, you know, driving towards like Las Vegas and places like that. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and and as we crossed the border uh, to the to the next state, I don't know if there was like a different um, different laws there or whatever, but all of a sudden there were these huge um, warehouse um, like stores um, with these huge signs saying um, "tax free weed." <laughs> and I and I guess I guess they've changed the uh, the the laws recently, but you know they've you know it's not uh, it's not criminal in 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 these states, obviously. Right. But it was quite you know I I'd driven through California many years you know twenty years ago, and um, yeah, and, and it was quite a it was quite a weird thing to see all of a sudden these kind of like huge billboards almost you know sort of offer, you know sort of promoting their their, their tax free weed. Yeah, it's it's I, it's changed it's changed a lot recently in, in in the states with states and you know legalizing it for recreational use and I think the federal yeah. government's going to pass it. But I, I remember back when we went uh, with with one of my friends that I've traveled with, whose name I won't mention, but we we uh, <laughs> you know speaking of that, I I was pretty you know you were a good boy. I was a good boy. I was a good boy. No, no. So we, we were traveling. I remember. So, you know, you probably stayed in hotels this time, you know, cause you're on tropical birding money, but back in the, oh, in the back, yeah. in, back in the eighties, um, you know, we, we rented a car, we traveled all over, we slept in the car, ate in the car and, yep. and we had a two man tent and we, we would kind of just find a place at the side of the road to, to, to pitch the tent. And I remember one night, 
we couldn't really find anywhere and I just pulled off on this lay-by north of Los Angeles and, and I, I was trying to put the tent up in, in the in the light of the car headlights because it was dark and I remember I couldn't get the tent pegs it was the ground was solid and I remember hearing a car pull up <laughs> at the side of the road and and I could hear the guy saying to my friend hey are you guys all right because he must have seen the car in the headlights and thought we were broken down and um as I'm trying to hammer these tent pegs into concrete I, I just hear the conversation in, in the in the background and my friend said you know hey do you know where I can get any of that California weed I've heard so much about and all I heard was the guy reply you know what I'm probably not the best person to ask and, and my friend said well why is that he says because I'm an immigration officer <laughs> so at that point I stopped hammering the tent pegs in I was like oh that's the end of this trip oh. and he just said um, yeah yeah hey have a great trip but you might you might want to be careful who you ask I was just like, right. oh, my God. <laughs> oh, so, but, yeah, times oh, have changed, brilliant. man. I think they have. I yeah. think they have. Tax-free weed. Anyway, tax-free weed, yeah. Anyway, on, on the way, we I, I had to pick up a, a SIM card or something like that. So I, I've been told that you can just go into, like, a big Target store and, uh, and, and get, like, a prepaid SIM card. So I went in there. And I chatted to, to to these guys, and they were like, "Hey, how's it going? You know, what are you doing?" And we said, "Oh, you know, we're, we're looking at birds," and and they were really chatty. And this one guy says, "Oh, yeah, you know what? I I saw a um, I saw a, a roadrunner recently." And we were like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, we're looking for those." Yeah, and he said, "It's weird. It it didn't look like the roadrunner in the cartoons. It didn't go beep beep." <laughs> There wasn't a coyote chasing it as well, was there? there was, and there wasn't a coyote chasing it. Yeah. Anyway, so this complete dude, you know, he, he had, you know, he'd, he'd seen a, a roadrunner, and then, and this was sort of in the back of our minds as we're going to go and look for this thing um, just over the border in Arizona, and we sort of checked a few sites. Where there was one little county park we went to, and it was supposed to be quite common in there, and we were just driving around and around and just just looking everywhere, and we couldn't find this thing. And then we saw this big truck and it had Park Ranger written on it. So I just kind of put my foot down and just kind of like catch up to this guy and pull alongside him. And uh, I said, you know, I thought Park Ranger, he's going to know something. And I said, uh, oh, sorry, excuse me. Um, have you seen uh, Have you seen any roadrunners? He's like, what? <laughs> and I said, road, where's the best place for a roadrunner? He said, hey, I don't know. On the, on <laughs> the road, everywhere. On the, on the road, I would think, <laughs> right? He just said, he just said, yeah, they're everywhere, and I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll just keep looking then, thank you. And he's like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> and he just kind of, he just kind of drives off, and then we kind of start looking more and driving around, and still no luck at all. And then we saw, we chatted to some campers, and we said, excuse me, have you seen any roadrunners? And, and she said, yeah, yeah, we saw saw one on the way in. So we, you know, we go and check that out. And we don't see it. And then there was another guy, a real kind of redneck kind of driving a big truck and he and he was like ah hell i don't know they're everywhere <laughs> and everybody ju everybody just kept saying this like they're everywhere and we just could not find this roadrunner anywhere well it's funny roadrunners road if i think about it, to me they're always one of those birds you see when you're not looking for them when you're not looking for them yeah exactly so you know we just we spent like three or four hours in this in this little park driving around in circles we got i mean we got some other cool stuff we got these other little desert quails use gambles quails and some yeah some other cool stuff but yeah no no roadrunner so uh the next morning we uh i'd found this road um where we were going to look for all this other desert stuff these thrashers and you know different flickers and stuff like that um and but it was supposed to be quite good for roadrunner as well and we were driving along quite quite quickly because we were trying to get to a point and then just out of the corner of my eye i see this like silhouette totally unique silhouette of a big bird with a long tail and this big bill sticking out you know right. it's like oh and we just screeched to a halt and just dust everywhere and we kind of reversed up like that and we got quite close and they just quickly dropped down off the it was just sat on top of this bush this roadrunner so we finally uh we finally got it but i mean and and you know what it i think we'd we'd Past a road that was called Roadrunner Road, and there was like a there was like a bar that was called the Roadrunner Saloon, and it, you know and you we kept, were just and being you kept haunted. going, right? 
you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't turn down and like drive down road run a road at all right no well i think we might have tried but yeah in the end there was no road runner on road runner road but we any yeah anyway we got the, the signs we got the thing were the all end, there but, charlie the signs were there yeah man. but it was it was quite fun it was you know just exploring the desert and it was just so different from the you know the, the mountain pine forest we'd been in and you know the the ocean and stuff so it was quite it's quite a cool um, cool yeah. area to visit, and, and deserts. Deserts are usually pretty scenic places, you know, especially at like sunrise and sunset. Well, that's one good thing about California. You can go from you know really cool coastal areas to inland hot deserts in in a short period of time, really. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's pretty. It's such a diverse, diverse place. Yeah, very diverse. So, other than Roadrunner, was there kind of any other target species that that? you were looking for in the desert or I'm assuming oh you, kinda... you know they were n- nothing that you would you know really uh, ha- haunt you in your sleep um, for, for missing you know we, we got some thrashers we got a bendias thrasher and we got these nice quail and, and there was a few migrants starting to move through you know flycatchers and stuff like that but yeah it was it was mainly the the experience of being in the desert and uh, yeah was was pretty right. was pretty awesome so so from there I'm, I'm, I'm assuming or guessing that you probably headed Headed north towards kind of the the Tufa area of Mono Lake because I know that has some grouse and other you know sagebrush sparrows and a couple of other good good birds. So, um, what what was your main target birds up in that area? Was it just kind of greater sage grouse? Yeah. So we, you know, the greater sage grouse is like the you know for non-birders, it's like this big chicken, huge chicken and they um they sort of lick they they, all the males gather in the morning and they're like a little dancing court and they all kind of display to the females and they're really uh, amazing birds but this this one lick that's near this mono lake um it they've kind of restricted access to it so you can't even really get that close to it anymore um you've got a uh, but but there was one spot along this road where you could kind of pull up on a side road and stop at a certain spot and then you could at dawn, you could kind of scan over this big plain, um, plain below, and uh, and see these birds apparently. So we did this. You know, we left before dawn from the hotel and um, and went there and waited. And it was freezing, and it was just starting to, you know, get light. And we're just scanning this big open plain, and and looking at the GPS, we could actually tell how far this lek was. It was actually a mile and a half away. Um, <laughs> wow! Yeah, can you imagine? Can you imagine looking at bird, bird watching at a mile and a half's distance? Wow! And, um, but it, and heat haze. Oh well, no, because because this was at dawn. This was freezing cold. You know, it was uh, it, right. it was just above uh, just above freezing. Right. Anyway, yeah, we, we started spotting these. We started spotting these little dots out on the plane, and as it started to get in light, we could you know get more details. And and it was it's actually surprising because I mean they're quite fairly big birds. We could actually see them quite well, you know, through our scopes. And you could see them dancing, you know, they've got these big kind of wattles on their face and these big bits of, you know, they, they sort of inflate these big sacks um, and they sort of dance, you know, they sort of, uh, you know, shake their heads around and stuff like that and dance for the females. So we could actually see this quite well through the scope. So, it, I mean, it wasn't, a, they weren't killer views. <laughs> Right, <laughs> by by any stretch of the imagination, but they're very kind of like charismatic birds, and it was pretty cool to see them. And we saw like about sixty males, um, down on this dancing court a mile and a half away. Wow, that, so that's that was pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah, I mean, I I've seen them a couple of times in California. Once we bumped into them in in the middle of the day driving down this area. We just happened to look across like five males crossing the path, but in no in way. The, yeah, cool. in in the last time we've been there. We, we didn't get there at, at dawn because the way it, the the timing of of our trip. So right. there's a place yeah. just north of Mono Lake called Bodie. I don't know if you went to Bodie. It's that kind of um, no. mining town. It's kind of you know um, it's not habitated anymore. And we just kind of scanned the hillside and we picked up a couple of birds flying around. But I've never really oh, been nice. to a traditional lek that, that you went to. So that sounds really cool. It was cool in a very kind of distant kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> so did, did you spend any time at um, Mono Lake, which, which is, I find, really yeah. such a cool place. 
with with the, the we did, I mean, I, I hadn't. Yeah, I hadn't really read anything about it. You know, there's so much to study just the birds before a trip. You know, you don't learn about the geography or the geology or whatever like that. But this big lake, we got there, and I guess it's like a sort of saline soda lake. It's right, got all these yeah. kind of minerals in it, um, and and then it makes these these little columns of, um, of 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 minerals. They're like almost like a sort of uh, stalagmite going up, you know, and they right. sort of build up around this around this lake, and they're quite impressive. I guess that's what they what 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 they're they're called tufa, right? The tufa, yeah, yeah, it's uh, the tufa, yeah. It, it is. It's just a unique kind of habitat that I don't think I've seen. And anywhere else in, in all my travels, yeah. it's kind of. I just I, remember seeing tons of black neck grebes there on the lake and, and California goes, but not much, not much else. Yeah, so I think I think there's a million black neck grebes there, million eared grebes. I can that, believe that. that on, yeah, on that lake. We, we we saw about twenty, you know, but we we were there like way too early. But you know, in another month or so, all the birds start to come in, um, and I think something like ninety percent of the California gulls. Like nest on an island in Mono Lake. It's just just full of California gulls. So they're they're like the sort of two dominant species there, California gull and um, yeah, black neck grebe or eared grebe. So it, it you know it's an interesting place, but it it was kind of cold. It was flat, and I hadn't really looked at the altitude there. But it's it's like really quite high up. You know, it's like I don't know, it's like five thousand, six thousand feet, something like that. So it's like gets like really cold at night. Yeah, um, I, and, and I've never, you know, when I think about my trips, all my trips have been in September, so I've never been there outside right. of September. Yeah. So, you know, March is still probably chilly, yeah. you know, you say. It, it wasn't, it's not the peak time to, to travel, you know. It, it, we've seen a lot of cool stuff, but it has been a little bit cold and a little kind of early for a lot of migrants. But then, you know, we, we're also been catching the sort of uh, winter birds before they leave, so that's been kind of cool, kind of right. like an in-between time but um no it's been uh yeah anyway so monolake was pretty cool but so where, um, where i mentioned about the go ahead yeah yeah i mentioned about the sage grouse there's another there's another grouse that's in that area and it was one that you'd mentioned to me um uh, while sooty, i was planning my sooty trip grouse, right the sooty grouse you you'd mentioned the spot in yosemite national park for it but um i'd actually heard that it had just been seen like the day before just nearby that spot um and from this kind of dry plain, there's a, there's a, there's a town there called Bishop. And, oh, and from there, yeah, you can sort of drive up into the sort of foothills of the of the Rockies, you know, the, the eastern slope of the Rocky Mountains. And then, you know, there's very, it's just kind of like a dry scrub below. But as you get higher up, you start to get more pine trees. Bishop, I and remember. This one, yeah, is that the point uh, where it's like the ancient bristlecone pine forest there at Bishop? I think I remember that as... Yeah, there is. We didn't actually get there. Yeah, it was all yeah, fantastic. Yeah, somebody spot. actually recommended it. Yeah, somebody recommended it, but we we had like you know, one too many birds to look for, so we actually skipped that. But I, I've actually heard that's a really amazing place to visit. But we, yeah, we went up um, from a little bit south of Bishop. There's a, a little town called Big Big Pines, I think it's called. And from there, you kind of drive up, and it was quite interesting to see that kind of just the first few trees. Um, kind of starting to crop and, then, and we went up into this valley and then there was just like a whole valley full of pine trees and somebody had seen this sooty grouse and the sooty grouse are different from the sage grouse in that they they sort of display or, or call from up in the trees right and and it's quite it's quite big you know it's maybe not as big as a turkey but it's you know it's well, like they're a big bird know, yeah a sort of, yeah a decent sized bird eh and I was looking at all these huge pine trees, and there was hundreds of trees. And I thought, you know, am I going to be able to spot this bird perched up way, way up in the trees? This might be a little bit tricky. But we anyway, we get to the parking lot, and and when I get out, I hear this like subsonic booming sound. It's like sort of uh, it's like a really kind of deep booming sound. And it was barely you could barely tell. That it was, you know, that it was a sound. You know, you had to like be really quiet and listen. And then it, even when you could kind of hear it, it was kind of hard to tell which direction it was coming from. So I, oh, I've got a, there's one little piece of information I've got to uh, give you before I continue with this story. So 
We had birded in the desert that morning, at looking for looking for um, for roadrunners, and I thought we're just going to be birding along the road. So I'm just going to wear my sandals. I've been wearing my I've been wearing my um, my hiking boots the last few days, and I thought, no, nah, we're just going to wear the sandals. I'm going to be driving most of the day anyway. And in the end, we ended up kind of like walking around the the desert with all these cacti and stuff. And I kept spiking my feet in the morning, so that and pulling all these little little cactus thorns out of my out of my big toe, like it was just ridiculous. Anyway, but finally, you know, we had a long drive, like four or five hour drive after that, and from there we drove up into these mountains and there was still there was quite a lot of snow on the ground and i had my hiking boots packed away in my bag you know all packed away in the car and i thought whatever i'm just going to walk around a little bit so um i'd, I'd spiked my heels on my 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 feet on the, with these little cactus spines in the morning and then i started walking around in these sandals in in the snow and i thought you know it won't be long you know it'll be fine we'll just spend 10 15 minutes here and have a quick look and and I heard this booming, and I started walking towards it through the snow. And again, it was one of these things where you're kind of like chasing a rainbow. It just always seemed to be further away, the further away you got. So we kind of we're kind of wading through this snow. I mean, it was maybe like a, a foot of snow or something like that on the ground. And then, just ever, just bit by bit, the, the booming got louder, and we go boop boop boop. And my friend couldn't hear it at all, and I was—it was all down to me to try and locate this this booming sound. And we just got—we just kept getting closer and closer and closer and closer, and they get louder and louder. And in the end, I could kind of tell the direction a little better, and it was up up this slope, quite a steep slope that was just covered in snow. So we had to kind of like wade through this snow, like while climbing this like very steep this steep slope, you know. And it was quite hard footing and. Um, and and I remember in in my head, I remember you were you were joking about that we wouldn't really, I wouldn't be able to do a podcast on California because it was such a tame place to bird. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, yeah, you're going to be sort of complaining about the time that you know the air conditioning didn't work or something like that. Right. But but yeah, I was just scaling this this uh, this icy snowy slope in in these sandals like with freezing i felt like i was going to get frostbite on my on my toes it was so cold but i thought i can't turn around now and go back because you know we we don't have time you know there's only like another hour of daylight right the only thing was to was to just keep climbing up this slope to try and see this bird and and it was just incredibly difficult to spot you know you couldn't even even when you were like right next to the booming sound you couldn't tell how high in the tree it was you couldn't tell which tree it was so I had to like climb up even higher and higher and higher up this rocky slope, um, looking across the trees to see to get an idea of how how. Uh, and it took me it took me forever. I mean, it it was probably an hour and a half, maybe two hours of trudging round this snow and steep, treacherous, rocky hillside, just trying to locate this bird. And I finally, finally, finally found this thing, um, and. You know the trees are quite dark. They've got quite dark trunks, and they're sort of in shadow now because it's sort of late afternoon. And this bird is like you know it's called sooty grouse. It's a sooty color, and it's almost you know and it, <laughs> right. it, yeah yeah just trying to pick out pick out a sooty colored grouse against a sooty colored um, forest. You know it was just it was an absolute nightmare. It's but a- somehow I managed. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I'm saying it sounds so much easier than. Than me chasing one round a visitor center. <laughs> yeah, because you'd said, oh, they, they they sort of come down. Anyway, I think later in the season, I think females and stuff they sort of walk around on the ground more, but they're displaying males. They're up in the trees. Anyway, I finally figured out more or less what level in the tree it was calling from, and I finally figured out which tree it was calling from. And I, I was sort of underneath it looking, and then I just saw very slight this little this little twitching. And it was its tail. Every time it went, whoop, whoop, its tail like f- flicked a little bit. And this thing was like, you know, it was like 60 feet up in the top of a pine tree. And I finally saw this thing, but you could only see its tail. So I had to climb up another like steep, treacherous slope just to get eye level with it. Still in sandals at this point, right? Still in sandals, like two hours now <laughs> with my feet in the snow, bare feet in the snow. Oh, naturally was, adventurous, oh, man. man. You know, that's the it way was, you got to do it. It was, 
Yeah, and and the only th- in, the thing in in my head that that kept going round and round was like Julian saying that I couldn't have any sort of adventures in California because it was too tame, and I was like, no, hell, hell to you with hell to you, mate. This, this is this is adventurous. Ah, oh, you should have driven. You should have done. You should have gone to my site. You know, just driven up, do it sh- dude style. I don't know. I didn't want to risk it. You know, I could have said, "Oh no, I'm I'm going to just try for that later on." And I, that, but that might have been later in the season as well. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. September. I think probably without a it calling. Yeah. Yeah. I think without it calling, you wouldn't you wouldn't have a chance to see this thing because even when you knew what what tree it was in, it was still a nightmare to find. It still took me, you know, yeah. forty five minutes to start. I, I'm this not. Thing, you know? I, I'm I'm not a big ducks and geese person, and I'm not. I'm not. Oh, I'm not a ch- I'm, oh, I'm not. I'm, I'm kind of brilliant. Yeah, I'm not kind of a a, a a chicken fan either. I mean, all my oh, really? mates have done the Colorado grouse chicken run, and I still have yet to do it. I'm just saving that up. But uh, you know, so I still need. I still, other than Surrey grouse and you know a couple of the prairie chickens, I still need all those all those chickens. Yeah. So I'm I'm saving those up. I'm saving those up for my 800 ABA list. Uh, no, they they do it for me. The grouse do it for me. I, I just find this kind of lecking behavior and these weird kind of like bare skin on their on their necks and stuff. It's just right. really outlandish birds. But yeah, that was, no, it was glad, a pretty cool experience. Glad, anyway. glad you got that. Yeah, it sounded like a, a bird. <laughs> but um, so I I know we're kind of um, you know we're getting on a little bit. So what? Yeah. Where was your next adventure in your trip? So, you, you know, originally from Mono Lake, there's a road that goes up and over the Rockies into Yosemite National Park. And I, I, I think about a week before the trip, I found out that that road is closed. Right. Um, and it uh, only opens in May. It's like a seasonal road. I thought, oh, God. I had to drive like all the way around the top of the Rockies um, and over these other mountain passes, um, low, lower mountain passes where the roads were still open. Um, to get around to the other side. And then we, we visited Yosemite, but I haven't included it in my top five here. It, it's For scenery, it's absolutely world-class. I mean, it's just like mind-blowing. It's like Fantastic. looking at a postcard. Yeah, amazing. These sheer rocky cliffs going up and just these beautiful clear rivers and um, and stuff. But um, it, it wasn't the best for wildlife when we were there. It was still pretty cold and there was very few birds there. So we uh, we, we did visit um for for a day and it was really nice for that but yeah we didn't see many birds but from there we kind of went down um and visited a place called pinnacles so that this is my final highlight so far from my california trip is a is a national uh a national park i think called pinnacles which is one of the best places to see california condor right have have you seen that bird i actually have not and i know we were talking (laughs) and and as i recall it's I was kind of thinking, like, yeah, why, why haven't I seen Condor? Why did you not look for that bird? And and I I must admit that perhaps at the time they were not as regular at those places, and yeah. they kind of hard to come by, or they just they just kind of gotten into the the reintroduction scheme where, where birds were right. kind of yeah. flying around a lot and not really kind of e-birdable. But right. um, yeah, yeah. I, I do need that bird. Um, surprisingly, I mean, this is a bird. This is a bird that I've I've been wanting to see for, for probably decades now. You know, I mean, good twenty, thirty years since I started, you know, thinking about California condors. And I've got I've got this thing about rarity. I love I love endangered species. I love chasing rarities. Right. Um, and so yeah, this was a, this was a major major target of the trip was to see the California condor. And and I found that the the, the most reliable site to see it is this place called Pinnacles. So yeah, after Yosemite, we sort of drove down, um, and we we actually got there in the afternoon. And I heard one, and I think maybe a couple of days before there'd been some records, and a guy had seen eleven one afternoon. Wow! Um, and and they were flying to roost, and he'd seen them from the campground of the uh, of the of the park. Um, so we thought we're gonna do we're gonna go to exactly the same spot exactly the same time that he was there and then hopefully we're gonna you know it shouldn't be a problem to see this thing. So we arrived. I think he saw them at about four p.m. We arrived about two p.m. there, maybe even one p.m. 
But we had like three, two or three hours before he had his sighting. So we thought we we're going to just walk around a little bit. And we, you know, we're doing some other birding. We're looking for other stuff. And, um, and around, we've been walking around for maybe half an hour or, or two hours. And then I, all of a sudden, I kind of look up and there's this massive just shape flying over us. It was like a pterodactyl. I mean, it was like just insane. And we were, you know, there was absolutely no, um, no doubt what it was. You know, it was a condor, but it was kind of really backlit, very silhouetted. And we just kind of like, you know, shooting straight up um, above our heads with our cameras, getting pictures of this thing. So that was, that was cool. But, you know, it was in bad light because it was backlit. So we kind of went back to the campground and we're waiting around. It's three o'clock, three thirty. Um, and all these campers, and again, you know, no birders. You know, we'd, we'd been doing throughout this whole trip hardly any, well, almost no birders. And all these campers would come up and, hey, what are you taking a picture of? You know, and, and we're like, yeah, <laughs> condors, love, California love, condors. Sorry, I love your American accent. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody oh. was really fascinated, you know, and I'm like, you know, well, we're here for the condors. Like, what are you here for? And I guess people just go like camping there and hiking. Um, and I, I suppose some of them know that there's condors there, but I don't think all of them do. I think it's not a, and I don't think they see them because often you would see them quite high up soaring and stuff like that. But anyway, we chatted to a few people and there was a couple of old ladies who were like really, really casual birders. And they came up and they were like, oh, can we join you? And yeah, we sort of, um, we, we were all waiting for these condors to appear together. So it was kind of cool to, to meet some other people that were interested yeah. um, in birds. I, I heard um, on, on a recent, on Alvaro and George Armistead's podcast, and Alvaro yes. was talking about yes. condor. I think their producer, Molly Brown, had been out looking for them. Yep. And I, I think he'd say, <laughs> said that, you know, if you just lie down on a rock, pretend you're yeah. dead and squirt some ketchup around you, Apparently, you might get really good views yeah. if you come in to check you out. They come, down, they come down. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, they, they, they're very curious, apparently. But, yeah, I listened, I listened to that as well. Um, don't. Oh, incidentally, I, I, I just chatted with Molly Brown. She's We're going to get her on the podcast as well, hopefully, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I, I don't know Molly, um, obviously, only through their podcast. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that'll be great. But, yeah, yeah. Grip, gripped off with Condor. I'll have but to we go back. We, we didn't have any ketchup with us, unfortunately. It was it was sort of in my mind just to sort of just jump on the ground and play dead, but uh, it it already like flown over. But we anyway, we're sort of at the spot, and there's even a couple of like stationary telescopes that have been put there, like built-in telescopes for people to see. And we thought we're thinking this has got to be the place to see them from if there's telescopes here. So we sort of stood in this spot, and then about I think three thirty, three forty-five, we see this first one kind of circling up it's quite high and then another one and then another one and then another one and another one there was like five all kind of circling above this ridge and uh, and now because we sort of moved back a little bit we weren't sort of we i think we had this the, the the sunshine behind us so we're looking up in the scopes and we're seeing all these beautiful like white underwings and uh um you can even make out the sort of tags on them with the numbers um so we got like quite i mean distant again but quite decent views um, wow. And it was just, it was just magic. It was a real highlight of the trip and a bird that I've been just waiting for, you know, decades to see. So that was finally uh, um, a big um, target of mine laid to rest. I haven't seen Andy and Condor, so that's a good that, one. That would be yeah. California Condor would be kind of uh, a good one to get. But anyway, yeah, I can recommend a good spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems. It, it sounds like it sounds like you need to come back to California. So you didn't manage to get out on a pelagic then, because one of the things that I always do when I'm out in California, no. it's 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 around pelagics, because I I love a good boat trip, unlike unlike yourself. Um, well, no, we'd we'd planned we'd planned to go, and I was I was all set to go and buy some uh, seasickness sea pills. But um, a couple of days ago, um, I got a message from uh, um, Alvaro Jaramillo, um, who was who planned this one at a Half Moon Bay, and it was supposed to be tomorrow morning. And um, he said that the captain had called him and uh, asked to to reschedule because there was quite high winds around then. So, uh, oh yeah, yeah, we, we we were very disappointed about that. And um, yeah, there's there's actually one more little thing. So I've I've given I've given you my five highlights so far of my trip but I'll, I'll give you one uh, low light 
Um, yeah, you've got a you've got a, a story to kind to, of bring the whole podcast set, down, right? <laughs> to bring it down, yeah. So we were in San Francisco yesterday, and we'd met. Um, I've got a, a regular client that I've guided, and his son, who I've corresponded with quite a bit, um, he he met us in the morning, and we went out, and he he showed us some black oyster catchers and a, and a rock sandpiper and some you know kind of rare shorebirds um and that was really cool so we we needed to have our scopes with us um we left everything else at the hotel but you know we needed our scopes with us so for that bit um yeah we took our scopes out and we got really good views of these birds and then after that we were chasing just some some uh some early migrants because you know there's a few warblers just starting to trickle in right um and there's a couple that are you know lifers for my for my friend and um yeah, we we saw some records of these birds in Golden Gate Park. And we'd actually been told to be very careful at the place that we were before called Heron's Head. It was in a, a kind of sketchy area. It was like down by the docks and they were like, don't leave anything in your car. Right. And so we didn't, you know, we took everything with us. And then we went to Golden Gate Park and we went there and we thought of warblers. We oh, oh, and first of all, we, we kind of looked around and there was there was thousands of cars in there just all parked along the roads you know, fancy cars, and there was all families having picnics, and it just seemed such a kind of like a safe place. Um, and all these all these fancy cars, we're thinking, ah, oh, this is this should be all right. And and we kind of got our jackets. We we left our scopes in the car because we're looking for warblers. We're not going to use them. And we put the we put our jackets over the scopes in the back, so they were kind of oh. out of out of view. And I think there was maybe some tripod legs sort of sticking out from uh, underneath the jackets. Um, and we walked we walked around for maybe 30, 40 minutes, and we came back, and we were like, oh, that's weird, the window's open. Do, um, oh. and yeah, somebody had come along and uh, and smashed the window. I think they'd just gone all the way along, just peering in inside every car just to see if there was anything in there, and they must have seen these tripod legs sticking out, and they smashed the window, grabbed the um, two scopes, two, you know, top of the range, well, um, good Swarovski scopes, <laughs> Um, oh and, no! Uh, yeah, made off with them. Um, oh, so, I'm so yeah, sorry, we were, man. That's 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 yeah, devastating. It, it was devastating. Yeah, I mean, luckily, you know, we we well through the the the, the trip. You know, we, we've um, we've only got another sort of uh, three or four days left. If they were if um, they were Bushnell it, Space Masters, they'd have put them back. They, probably, yeah. <laughs> well, my thing is, my scope was so beat up. You know, I'd had it for twelve years, and. Um, yeah. So, and it's if if anybody ends up with that scope, my stolen scope, then uh, just make sure you keep the eyepiece screwed on quite tightly because it's uh, it's got a habit of kind of fall, falling off. One, oh, one, one bit of advice yeah. there. You'll have to check. You'll have to check Facebook Marketplace the next couple of days. See if anybody's trying market, to flog a yeah. scope. But didn't they say they they stole your jackets as well? Yeah, and they took the jackets as well. I think I think they they were covering the scopes with the jackets, so they uh, they were less obvious. Um, but then, you know, of course, today we were still birding along the scope. Uh, sorry, sorry. We, um, today we we're birding along the coast, trying to do sea watching along the coast with without scopes um, <laughs> and, and no jackets. You got this kind of like icy wind, and oh. just peering in the distance on the sea at these little specks, trying to trying to trying to identify stuff. And it was like, oh, what are we doing? They didn't, just, they didn't uh, steal your sandals then. No, no, they didn't take my sandals or my shoes, but you know that was the only. Anyway, so it's it's been. I've really enjoyed California, and it's got this kind of veneer of safety and development, and you know I've never I've never felt in danger or you know felt that anywhere we've gone has been a dangerous place, but um, it it was yeah. No, that's just it's in, such a such a a bummer to kind of you know feel. You know, violated by somebody taking your your, your gear and feeling that you know it's yeah. pretty safe because you know, as you know, as, as a guide and traveling to places that we would be really careful about. Um, you know, you're always oh, on high alert and I'm inc you never incredibly careful. I've even done you know a podcast with Ken about kind of safety and security while you're traveling, and we've talked about this stuff. You know, yeah. Like, and we're always we're always like making out, yeah, we're yeah, we're the experts, you know. Oh yeah, we've never had anything stolen, and we're always really careful, whatever. And, and then you know, you come a cropper, um, just a momentary lapse of uh, of oh. judgment, you know. But you you make a call, you know. You go in there and you say, oh, this looks pretty safe. 
so you make a call and you're thinking that no, it should be all right and uh, and it wasn't so yeah we, yeah, we, paid, we just, paid the price just unlucky and it's uh you know you you just never know all you can do is you know carry stuff around with you all the time but you know there's certain places i remember being in japan which you've birded quite a lot yeah um you know, when I travelled, I would take everything. Every time I went to a restaurant, I would take stuff in. Oh. And in Japan, you know, <laughs> we left... Japan? Yeah, like, we, we just one... left... In Japan, we just left stuff in the car all the time, and I never yeah, felt you can. there was a chance that anything was going to be stolen. And You could have you know, left the car doors open. You could have left the windows open. Uh, you know, it, no, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, it's like, like, like mean, being I, in Bolton. I, I, <laughs> yeah right. Oh uh, uh, well, I'm but, yeah. so sorry about that. That's such a, a, yep. a, 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 a just a, a downer at the end of a, of a trip. A but hopefully, yeah. hopefully you'll uh, you know be fine in the next couple of days. But uh, it sounds like a fantastic trip. It seems like it's you've been, been on the road yeah. for for months, a and while. Um, <laughs> you know it's good that you're getting out. I know I know COVID for for the guiding has been kind of a, a real dismal kind of, you know, blanket. But I'm, I'm glad things seem yeah. to be opening up now. Hopefully we can just be able yep. to afford to travel with everything going up. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yep. well, listen, thanks so much for inviting me on the show. Um, yeah, no, it's been great. I'm glad that, uh, you know, you're still out. Hopefully Ken will be back on the on the show next week once he's got all this stuff figured out. It'll be interesting to see what he's been up to. But, uh, yeah, we've, yeah, we've actually got a backlog of stories, you know, because yeah, he's been he's been all over, and I've got some I've got quite a few stories from different places. So yeah, we've gonna I've got about ten days at home after after this, and we're just gonna try and knock out a few podcasts because um, it it's it's gonna get a little trickier from now on with both of us working and traveling a lot more. So, uh, but we're gonna do our best to to keep things going. Anyway, um, Julian, it's been a pleasure. Um, let's do it again soon. Uh, thanks for coming on. I think I think I'm gonna choose the sooty grouse because I was talking about that call. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna play out with uh, with the sooty grouse. Any any last words? No, thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting <laughs> me on as a super, super sub, and uh, hope hope the listeners uh, had a had a good time. And yeah, let's uh, let's talk again soon. All the best, man. Let's do it again. Cheers. <laughs>